I knew a guy once who, um, he had what you would call sleepwalking issues. Did you, have you ever seen somebody who does sleepwalking or something? And I think everybody kind of has a story about somebody or maybe themselves. And, and it was funny because this guy, he, he actually passed along sleepwalking to his kids. And, and one of the kids, it was really funny, got up at like 2 in the morning sleepwalking, uh, got outside and, and rode on his sister's uh, tricycle all the way down to the end of the street while sleepwalking in his chonies. It's really funny, in his underwear, you know, his tidy whities man. He's riding down the street at 2 in the morning. And, 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 and this guy got up and yelled out to him, hey, stop, and he fell off his tricycle. And <laughs> it's really funny. But this guy that I knew, he, he one time, this is the best story I've ever heard of sleepwalking, and, and I use it to this day because to me it's just like, wow, that's awesome. He got up in the middle of the night once, got dressed, went outside, got in his car, got into his, and turned it on and went up the street to his friend's house, his best friend's house that he knew since junior high, and knocked on the door really big, pounding on it. This was like 2 in the morning. And he's like pounding on it, pounding on it. Finally, the guy opens the door and goes, what's going on? What's happening? And my friend was like, you called me. What do you need? What do you need? You know, real frantic with the guy he was pounding on the door with. What do you need? I'm here, I'm here. What do you need? And, and the guy that opened the door was like, uh, I, I didn't call you. It's two in the morning. What's going on? No, no, no. You need me. You need me. And he was really frantic, you know. And um, so the, finally the guy was like, no, I, I think something's wrong. He didn't even know he was asleep because his eyes were open. And I guess this can happen. His eyes were open. He didn't even remember it. And then he gets, he's like, okay, well, if you need me, you, you know where to call me. And, and he gets back in his car and drives back home, gets back in bed, doesn't remember a lick of it, doesn't remember anything about it, totally sleepwalking. And the only reason he knows about it because a friend called him the next day and said, what, what happened? Why did you show up at my house? He's like, I didn't show up at your house. But a boy, I didn't get much sleep last night. I feel exhausted. Because he was exhausted. You know, you would be too, right? All that energy being pumped through you and you don't even know what's going on. Um, I, I think I'd, I'd tell you guys this story because to some extent, there is, a, there is an ability for us or a, um, a path for us that's been laid out that we could easily live our days sleepwalking. We could easily go through life, do these things, get into a spot and go, how did I get here? Whether you're at the end of the street and your chonies on a bike going, what? What just happened? <laughs> or you're, you're not getting enough sleep because you're exhausted because of the things that you've been doing and you don't even know how you did it. You see, we have a chance, unfortunately, to, to just go on autopilot and sleepwalk through this life. See, I, I think we can get comfortable and we can become to a place where we, we get here and we say, how did I get here? What happened? So one of the things we've been going through, and we're at the conclusion of it, and I'm really excited because next week Dr. Mark's going to be um, sharing with us about just love coming down and healing and, and the last part of that. Um, and so we're really excited about this whole ministry we've been able to do with Love Came Down. But as we're looking at this, in this conclusion to love coming down, we're also looking at how God wants us to follow him. Because that's, that's what he said. He went to his, his disciples. They didn't even know they were his disciples yet. And he said, follow me. He didn't say, hey, where are you guys going? I want to go with you. No, he said, follow me. And to some extent, he does the same thing with us, doesn't he? He comes to each and every one of us. And we're like, seriously, you want me? Because <laughs> that's what those guys did. They were like, who am I? I'm, just a, I'm not a special person. And he's like, no, just follow me. 
But the temptation is to not follow. The temptation is to say, oh, you want, okay, well, this is the where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. And we try to lead instead of follow. And the truth is, whenever we're tempted, now if you're taking notes, this is, this is the good place to crank the blank here. It says, whenever we're tempted to lead, we are lagging in religion. You see, when we are tempted to lead, we're lagging in religion and not living in relationship. Does that make sense? Because if you're leading, you're getting tired. And you're going to start lagging behind because you're trying to do it on your own. And that's religion. Relationship is, is truly what we, what we want to live. You see, when I'm loving and living my, my, my life with, with my wife in a relationship, it's not tiring. But what is tiring is when I try to do certain things to make her happy so much so that I'm, I'm making it happen. I'm leading it to where it's all about what I can do right now. That's tiring. It's exhausting. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I love her. So if you're lagging in religion, you're getting tired. See, when you lag in religion, you might be asking questions like, am I doing it right? What more can I do or have I not done to get God's attention, approval, acceptance? It really reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son, that we have the prodigal son, but we always forget about that, that, that older brother who's outside working. See, he's lagging, lagging or languishing in religion, and he's outside working, and there's a party going on. I mean, here's somebody that should know better. Drop the work, go inside and party. <laughs> go inside and enjoy the Father. Enjoy, enjoy what's going on. But no, he stands outside and he's like, I'm exhausted. I've done all this. I've worked so hard and what do I get? Nothing. He's exhausted because he's lagging in religion and not living in relationship. See, living in relationship is what love came down to bring us and walk us in and through. Jesus proved as he came down that we have the Heavenly Father's attention already. That's what I love so much about what we've been going through with the Sermon on the Mount. It's all set up like, check it out. God already, already knows you. He gets it. He's, you've got his attention. You don't need to do something to get it. See, love came down to be our approval before a holy God. That's why he went to the cross. So that God will accept us in accepting Jesus' sacrifice for us. It's a relationship. Wide awake living. So last week we looked at, looked at Ephesians chapter 5 and we started this idea of walking in love. And we're going to be ending that today with walking in love. Um, but I, I want you guys to really see this as it plays out in our life. Because we looked at the internal, but now we want to look at that external aspect. So do me a favor, let's all stand up. And we're going to go ahead and pray and jump into the book of Ephesians. So let's pray and then, then we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 20. Lord, we thank you. I'm excited about this because there's so many cool things in here, but it's not just the cool stuff that, that can really uh, ignite our brain, but it's, it's the deep stuff that sparks our spirit to move. Lord, there is no change apart from you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we just look to you right now as we say, help us. May we follow you. May we get out of the way and say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us be the light. Help us be the salt. 
Not under our power, but in your strength. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you continue to stay, uh, stay standing, let's go ahead and read this. In verse 8 it says this, Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in, this, in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, you may be seated. Now again, I just want to remind you, Paul is talking to people who very much so only know the culture that surrounds them. Okay, like taking a sponge and putting it in a thing of water, it soaks up whatever medium is in it. If it's a red water, red water will come out. I've never soaked up a sponge and out came a different color than what I put it in. That would be magic and I would be on TV. But that doesn't happen. So to some extent, whatever is in being soaked in is what's going to come out. And so what you have is you have this young church in Ephesus that very much represents the culture surrounding it. And the culture surrounding it was crazy. <laughs> the culture surrounding it was very much about pleasure and, and very much about self and very much about what can I get and what, can, what do I want. And it's all about me. Unfortunately, that's a very familiar place for us as we look around in culture today. Not much has changed. And so what we see as the Apostle Paul is speaking to them is he's saying, look... You were once in darkness. You, this is where you were. But now here's where you are. And he's very much reminding them about something. When he says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You see, Paul is reminding them of something. Let me, if you're taking notes again, just write this down. Paul reminds them of their past not to ream them. This is important. Many times we remind people of our, their past so as to ream them, right? Put them in their place. Oh, yeah, but see, remember last time you didn't do that. And so I'm, I'm watching you, right? We do that. We, we can ream people, right? And so he's not doing that, though. He does this to remind them of what Jesus has done in them. This isn't something where he's bashing them. This is something where he's coming alongside saying, Look, you are no longer bound by your past. Um, when I was a kid... My stepdad smoked like eight packs of cigarettes a day. I grew up with that. Um, he would take us to Stockton. That was like a six-hour trip. And most of the time, he would not roll the windows down. If he did, it was about that much. And he smoked probably about three packs on the way there. My brother and I would sit in the back going, oh, dying, right? We would just die. And I just remember growing up saying, I hate cigarettes. I hate cigarettes. I hate cigarettes. When I get a chance, I will never smoke. I will never smoke. You know I smoked three packs a day for three years? I, I, I remember hating it. How would anybody do that? How would I, blah, 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 blah. And I ended up doing it. 
it's like my past caught up to me. Now, I know you guys are nothing like me at all. I'm the exception to the rule in this because you have never found yourself acting like your mother. Never. You've never found yourself saying things like your father. Absolutely not. I'm the only one. I get it. But, but just in case you find yourself here, know that, that, that Paul is doing something amazing. He's really reminding us about something. Because the, the, the past is going to overwhelm you. It just will. We can be slaves to it. This is the idea of the sins of the Father. I mean, we can, be, we can be slaves to this sin or we can be a slave to God. Either way, you've got to serve somebody, as Bob Dylan said. <laughs> you just do. You just do. So are you going to be a slave to that past? Like I know I've done many, many times before. Or are you going to be a slave to Christ? Are you going to see that you're actually His? This is why he says this. I love this in verse 13. He says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's like he's trying to say, hey guys, wake up. See, when when Christ illuminated, you no longer are bound by the darkness, because the darkness is gone. It's the light now. See, when I was a kid, I was terrified of the dark. Anybody with me? I was terrified of the dark. And it wasn't necessarily the dark, it was really the idea of what was in the dark that I couldn't see. It was like, there was something under my bed. I just knew it. It was dark. There was something in the closet. I knew it. And sometimes those shadows would create like the crazy little thing. You're like, what is that over there? And I just remember being petrified of the dark. I was so scared. But what would happen? I'd get out of bed somehow. I'd get all brave. And, and I'd run over to the light switch, turn the light switch on, and be like, oh, okay, there's nothing there. It's, it was just a coat hanger. or It was just this or whatever. And I would search things. And, but as soon as that light would go off again, right? I'd be like, oh, no, what's that? Or a sound or whatever, because you don't know. See, Paul brilliantly here is reminding us that Christ, Christ's light wants to reveal the darkness that keeps us afraid and stuck. Christ's light reveals the darkness within and without. We no longer have to walk and be like, oh, oh, oh." and that's why sometimes we lag in religion, don't we? Because we're like, I have no idea. I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. But if you're living in relationship with the light shining, wake up, Paul says. We know that he is for us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? Amen? And if Jesus Christ died for us, then we will be raised to life in Him as Paul reminds continually, so you are more than conquerors through Christ who set us free. See, the truth is simple. You will live externally from how you view yourself internally. Case in point, I will never, never jump off of a building thinking I might fly. It's very simple. Anybody out there with me? I mean, when I was a kid, I tried jumping off my roof of my house with a bag because I thought that would hold me, right? That's why I did stupid things. Anybody else have boys that did stupid things? <laughs> yeah, or a boy that did stupid things? Yeah, because you honestly believe, how, like I saw Mary Poppins, and I honestly believe that an umbrella would make me fly or hover down. And I remember doing that, and the umbrella went, and I went, ah, and I almost broke my foot. But see, how I viewed life is how I acted externally. This is why I know now about gravity. This is why you'll never catch me jumping off of a bridge. The other thing that I I won't do is enter into a cage fight at the Ultimate Fighter Championship. I know you guys are like, seriously? 
Chris, you could take them all on. I know, right? I totally could. I know I could. No, I don't. I don't. That's why I'll never enter into a cage fight. Because the truth is, I know who I am inside, or right here on the outside. I do a little gardening. I'm like, oh, my hands. I'm so sore. Oh, it's exhausting. And I look at the cage fight, and I'm like, no, I don't think I could actually get in there. Because how I view myself. See, when I was growing up, I also viewed myself as stupid in math. Anybody there? Yeah, I can't do math. I just can't do math. It's not in me. Math is just for those other people. Not me. Surprise, surprise, I stunk at math. You know the number one key factor that they found in studies that have shown people who are good at math? It's not that they think they're good at math, it's just they try hard. And they say, math is tough, but I'm going to do my best. And I know I could get it. You see, if you view yourself internally away, then you will live that way externally. This is the truth. We have so many people fulfilling, self -ex uh, fulfilling prophecies about themselves. You see, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not... I, I'm a failure. And so they live as one. I, I'm, a, I'm a horrible, horrible sinner, and all I do is, is get things wrong. I'm not a saint, and so they, they, they live as one. See, most of us are defeated in the mind before we even take a step. And Paul very much so is reminding us that's not who you are. Amen? We need to know that. This is why the Bible calls us sheep. Hello, people. Sheep are dumb. I mean, if that ain't a slap to the face of all of humankind, I don't know what is, but it's the truth. We're not very smart when it comes to remembering what God has said to us, which is so simple, and yet we forget it every day. I used to wonder, I'd read through the Old Testament and look at the Israelites and be like, how could they be so stupid? And then I started living my life. And I started going, oh, I'm that stupid too. You, you get what I'm saying? We need to be reminded. We need to, to, to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him say, you are my beloved. You are more than a conqueror. You are a saint. You are a holy priest in a, in a, in a holy nation. You are a stranger here and an alien. And your kingdom you, you, is, is in my kingdom. And that's where you are. That's, you are seated in the heavenlies. All these things that Paul goes on to say. I mean, this is why I love, by the way... Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory. See, I guess the question is, do you believe that God truly has you, that he is, he is in charge of your marriage? That, that, that he actually cares, that he actually has a plan, he's doing something in you? How about your health or your family? Because if we hold to this, if we can actually just stand in the light, it distinguishes. I mean, it'll, it'll just completely distinguish everything around us and it will extinguish all the junk that we think about or that we see that we go, oh, it's scary, it's, I'm stuck. But when the light comes and it shines, we can actually have God's truth and this should change our perspective and how we live externally. See, a, a marriage with the view of Jesus' love and glory shining on it will not live in darkness. A dark addiction will never take root in a life where a clear view of Jesus living inside is shining bright. It truly is that simple. And we need Christians today who hold this, who are reminded of this. This is why we have, you know, in the Old Testament, the great Shammai that says, remind your kids, write it on the doorposts of your heart, that there is one God and He cares we need to know this. 
We need to remember this. This is why we talk about love coming down. Because he wants us now to walk in it. So how do we do this? To practically walk in love. First thing I want to point you to very simply. I have four things and I want to go through this quickly. First, walking in love means we are mindful of our time. We're mindful of our time. See, he says, but be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. He's very much so referencing the Sermon on the Mount where we have the wise builder and the foolish builder. See, both are building. You are, every day, you're building something. And so this isn't like Paul is saying, okay, now spend all your time memorizing Scripture and praying and reading the Bible. Oh, and if you have time, eat. That's not what he's saying. This is what a lot of us think. Oh, if I'm really going to live my time uh, right and be mindful of my time, I need to be a missionary. How many of you have ever been there? That's the ones that are really being mindful of their time. That's not what Paul's saying here. Being mindful of our time is so important to get this. Um, It's just as you are building, are you building your life? Are you spending your time on the rock, on Jesus? You see, this is simple. um, When you were young, you were a slave to compulsory education. Obligation, society, everything else dictated you go to school. You had to go to school, right? Unless you were like me and tried to ditch it as much as possible. You know, but I still, it caught up with me. I had to go to school. So most of the time I was in school, I was like, oh, this is so boring. And I would sit there and I would make jokes. and I didn't make the most of my time. You see, in school, I was a very unwise builder. But God wanted me to be mindful of my time there. And I wish I was more that way. See, now you have to go to work and you have to pay bills. You have to sit in, in traffic at stoplights. You'll spend more time at stoplights than almost anything else. Isn't that fun? Let me explain this too in a simpler way that I think many of us get. Um, recently, I had to get health insurance for my kids. Praise the Lord, they now have health insurance. They didn't for like six months. And I don't know if you were like me and you really tried to get health insurance about a year ago. I did it in October, way before I was supposed to. I got on with, you know, Covered California. I did all that. And man, I called so many times. I, I, it was, I got to the end of my day and half my hair was gone because I was pulling it out. Because if you're, if you're like me, you're on the phone and going, oh, I got to push one, now, now three, and why are they speaking in French? You know, I, I mean, it was going crazy. I was going nuts. And I would talk to somebody to go, oh, no, you're denied. And then I would, I would go, oh, I guess I'm denied. Then I'd get something in the mail that said, oh, no, you're accepted. I'd be, what is it? I was so frustrated. And I spent most of my time cursing. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Just putting my hands in the air going, ah! And I'd like to say I was very nice to the people on the phone. No. That didn't always happen. And I got to a point where... I don't know if you're like me, but I would, I would hold the phone and it, it, it was that automated voice. I can't stand automated voices. I just go like this, zero, and I hold it down. Aah! Finally, someone comes on the line. As soon as they talk, I'm just, Aah! no, no, you know, and they never hear you. Did you say Sri Lanka? No, I said no. Oh, you know, it's, it's crazy, right? I know, I know I'm the exception to the rule. You've never experienced this. But if you're making the most of your time, right? Are you doing it in the dark? Or are you walking in love in the light? Because there's an opportunity. That person on the other end of the line, how many experiences do they have of the negative? I was a telemarketer for three months. I know. People did not like me. 
But I always remembered that one person that was like, how's your day going? You actually care about my day? You know I'm a telemarketer. I'm kind of a lower henchman of Satan. That's what telemarketers do. But see, if you manage and remember that your time is not your own and that your time is of the Lord and He, he, he wants to ex- internally process that through you so that externally you're managing your time. That's, that's what makes all the difference. And when your kids are driving you nuts, come on, because they do, and your job and this and that, manage your time. Is it being built? Are you being wise? Are you, are you being built on the rock? You will always have an opportunity. What will you do with it? Second, walking in love means we run towards God instead of running away. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. See, Paul here is using an interesting parallel. He uses the different words between methusko and plerao. And, and, and what you have here is you have to be full of like a poison or to be full of overflowing with something good. And see, the truth is, we have a world that says, pick your poison, <laughs> don't we? We have a world that says, um, so you want this, we can do that. You want this, we can do that. But is it really going to fill us? No, because the truth is, as it says in the Proverbs, you know, the the person who gets drunk on on wine gets to a point where they wake up and they have a head, but then they go, where can I get another drink? Where can I get another drink? When can I get another drink? The person who is seeking out sexual pleasure will never be fulfilled. The one who's seeking out success at work will never be fulfilled. The one who's seeking it out in relationships and in health and in beauty, and you'll never be fulfilled. And so really what Paul is doing is he's talking about escaping. See, are you trying to flee or are you fighting the good fight? See, spiritually, we need to remember that when these times come, we need to run towards God and not escape in these other things. Because that's the temptation. When life gets hard and the darkness creeps in, do we try to hide under the covers? Do we sleepwalk? Or do we live it awake, saying, Lord, I want to run towards you? Um... I, I love this band called Wilco. And they, it's a song, How Do You Fight Loneliness? And, and there's a line in there that's brilliant because it's basically what Paul is saying here. He says, the first thing that you want is typically the last thing that you really need. Is, isn't that the truth? Because what I really want is a double cheeseburger. But does that really help me? See, what I really want is to do this for 18 billion hours. Because that will make me happy. Or that, or no, run towards God. Third, walking in love means we thrive in community. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You you, you can't do this by yourself. Speak to one another. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I planted some trees recently when we moved into Yukaipa. I found out that Yukaipa in the Serrano Indians means Green Valley. Really excited about that because we were living 10 years in the high desert. And really, I love the high desert, but there's nothing but dirt. And that dirt is not kind. You can dig about this far, and then you hit rock. Not easy. And the thing about the high desert is you can grow some things. You can grow fruit trees, but you can't grow citrus. You just can't. Because it gets too daggum cold. And that citrus, it'll die on you. So when it comes to lemons and grapefruit and what I love, oranges... I love oranges. 
And all I ever wanted to do as a homeowner was plant some orange trees. Because I came from my uncle's house, which had a big old tangelo tree, which would have so many oranges and tangelos and all this good stuff. And, and when I became a homeowner in the high desert, I was like, <gasps> it's like my balloon deflated. I was like, I can't have citrus trees. They just will not thrive in that climate. First thing I planted when I got here, citrus. I got two citrus, two navel oranges, and one tangelo tree. And man, they're growing like crazy. I already have fruit on them, and I just planted them like, like what, four months ago? I love it. But that's, that's the thing. They're going to thrive in this climate. This climate is made for citrus. I mean, Redlands, right? Hello? <laughs> it's made for citrus. Many of us are trying to be Christians, and we're not thriving because we're stuck, because we're trying to grow citrus in the desert. We cannot thrive unless we're in the right climate. And Christians and community is all about thriving in the right climate. Outside of it, in isolation, you will fail and wither. This is what I love about John 15. He says this, Jesus says this, I have told you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You and your, it's all plural. He's not talking to one person, he's talking to the church. He's like saying, you all, you all, and that you all may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you all. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is the community. True joy. Many Christians are not experiencing this because they isolate themselves. This is why we truly believe that in growing in faith, it's all a part of our grow groups. Because if you're not laying your life down for, for, for brothers and sisters, and that might be, oh, I don't have much time, but I'm going to take what little I have and I'm going to lay it down for my brothers and sisters. I don't have uh, uh, much wisdom, but I'm going to lay it down for my brothers and sisters. Your life is all-encompassing. This doesn't mean just, oh, I'm going to dodge a bullet for my brothers and sisters. A lot of times we look at it that way, but life is big, life is huge, and there are many things that we can lay our life down for. But are you doing it? And are you allowing others to lay their life down for you? Are you robbing somebody else from laying their life down with you? for you. You will thrive if you do. Get together. Worship. Live. Thrive. Lastly, walking in love means we are a thankful community. We're a thankful community. or thankful continually. Always giving thanks to God the Father. If you've noticed in the last couple of weeks, that's all Paul ends this with every time. This was the last thing to, la- to, to last week too. Being thankful. It's like Paul wants us to get something. Be thankful. You can't complain if you're thankful. I'm a champion complainer, people. It's easy for me to do. But see, walking in love means there's no time to stop, sit down, and complain and be critical. If you're thankful, you're going to be truly walking in love. If you find yourself being critical and complaining, it's probably because you stopped somewhere along the way and you stopped being thankful. We need to remember that always, when he says always giving thanks to God the Father, always means always. It's not just being thankful because, yay, I got a car, or yay, I got a job. That's something great to be thankful for. That's a good thing. Don't, don't not be thankful there. Be thankful there. But are you thankful in the valleys? Are you thankful in the low times? Are you thankful in poverty? Are you thankful in hunger? Because Paul was able to say this and you could not touch him. Through the, through the highs and the lows. Through the good and the bad, I give thanks always. You have to. 
Grace transcends circumstances and problems and nothing helps this like thankfulness. Now, do me a favor. Just Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads because there's a time where we need to process this. And I would just ask the worship team back up here. But this is the time where I would just ask you to process this. Because I know there's a lot here. But the truth is, it should be pretty simple. Following God means I'm not in the lead. So what do I need in my life where I see that I'm following the Lord? Where where can you be more mindful of your time? Is your calendar about you or is it about Jesus? As you see yourself in your time this week, or maybe just look back to last week when you were doing your job, when you were when you were at with your family, or you're at school, or wherever you're at, is it truly about just the tyranny of the urgent? Is it truly about you, or are you are you saying, you know what, my time is not my own? And so, Lord, wherever I'm at, what do you want to do? I must decrease so that you can increase, because that's going to make the difference. Secondly, are you running towards God instead? Are you escaping with relationships and people and hobbies or things? Or are you running towards Him? Are you thriving in community? And that's not just church. Church is good. Coming on a Sunday morning is great. But a group of people who are praying and walking for you and you with them. I miss my grow group so much because I need prayer. I need to... That's where I thrive. Are you thankful continually in traffic (laughs) with your rebellious kids at that impossible job in the presence of your enemies? Are you thankful for the God that turned on the light that has come to you in love and said, follow me? This is the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. We don't have it all together, but we got a God that wants to direct us and lead us. Are you grasping hold of his hand and are you walking with him? That's the difference. Please understand. Lord, we just thank you. We pray that our life would represent walking in you. We would see ourselves as you see us. Saved at the foot of the cross. Lord, I pray that if there's, if there are people here today that don't know you, that have never come to the cross and said, I need you, that they would do so now. Lord, we have, we have an opportunity to stop making it about us and living for your glory, your glory, your kingdom, your truth. May we do that. Lord, I know the darkness is so prevalent, but your light shines so much brighter in the darkness. So we just offer ourselves up to you and thank you for being that light that we could never be and leading us where we could never lead. I just want to remind you right now that if you do need prayer, we have prayer warriors who, and prayer partners that just want to pray for you. If, you. if you've never experienced the love of Christ, I would implore you today to seek out what you could never get on your own, a Savior who has known you since the beginning of time and has done everything possible to woo you 
to Himself. Don't leave today without walking in the love and the light of Jesus Christ.